Hi everyone, welcome to Baby Steps Nutrition, a podcast that focuses on nutrition, health, and wellness for families of children of all ages and stages. I'm your host, Argavon Neil Forouge, a pediatric dietitian and mom of two young children. My goal is to bring you impactful information that you can apply every day in a simplified, practical form to make life easier. Now let's get into today's conversation. We eat food because we need it to live. And we eat food because of how it makes us feel. One of the great joys of parenthood is when your baby is ready to start solids. But you might have so many questions and you're looking for the right answers. On this solo episode, I am going to share my knowledge about starting solids for babies. I couldn't love this topic more than I do. I will discuss the why, what, when, where, and how of introduction to solids. Let's first begin with the why. Starting solids when baby is ready is an important part of growth and development. Also, getting essential nutrients, learning about different tastes and textures, and practicing important motor skills are part of this stage. When baby is developmentally ready to start solids when... He or she can sit up with little to no support, has outgrown their tongue thrust reflex, has strong head control with ability to hold up their head for a long time, and is starting to show interest in food and what those around them are eating. The World Health Organization, for instance, has advised against introducing solid foods at six months, while the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology recommend starting solids between four and six months. I would say to allow for baby's gastrointestinal and renal systems to mature to wait until closer to six months. Of course, it depends on all the signs of readiness for your baby, as previously mentioned. Always look at your child's developmental readiness over any guidelines or advice. At around six months of age, The baby needs more iron than just breast milk or formula can provide. They've used up most of their iron stores from birth. This is where solids play another important role. Good sources of iron for vegetarians are fortified infant cereals and eggs that you can add nut butters, avocado and veggies cooked with olive oil for a healthy fat boost. If you're not vegetarian, meats are a great source of iron-rich protein sources. What should my baby eat, you're asking? Well, start with pureed foods, then gradually move to softer foods. Maybe your baby can self-feed, or you can do a combination of both. Soft fruit, tender meats, and cooked vegetables are great ideas. Once your baby is eating some foods, you can introduce one new allergen food at a time and watch for signs of an allergic reaction. Those reactions could be hives, rashes, vomiting, runny nose, and eczema. Let's talk about the different methods you may have heard of. There's a traditional one that pediatricians have been recommending for years, starting with thin fruit or vegetable purees or baby cereals, and then gradually advancing in texture to soft finger foods like small pieces of fruit, cooked vegetables, scrambled eggs, or tender chunks of meat or fish over the course of a few months. Then we have what's called baby-led weaning, or BLW. 
in which babies skip the purees and start feeding themselves solid foods straight from the family table. However, some people believe that this approach encourages more adventurous eating, as well as improved awareness of fullness cues, thereby decreasing the risk of obesity. In terms of research, however, which method is better for weight, appetite regulation, and calorie and nutrient intake, one is not superior to another. I do like the idea of following your baby's cues and letting mealtimes be a time of curiosity, trials, and fun, which over time will lead to the positive outcomes, as mentioned earlier. At Baby Steps Nutrition, we always promote respectful parenting, so you know your baby best and do what feels best for you and your family. When babies are introduced to new textures, gagging can happen. Gagging is a normal reflex, while choking, which means that a piece of food is blocking the airway, is much more serious. More on that later. What is a caregiver to do? According to Ellen Satter, a very well-known child nutrition expert who authored the ever-popular approach to joyful feeding called the Division of Responsibility, she breaks it down for caregivers like this. Your job with feeding are to choose and prepare the food, provide regular meals and snacks, make eating times pleasant, step-by-step show your child by example how to behave at family mealtime, be considerate of your child's food experience without catering too much to likes and dislikes, and not letting your child have food or beverages between meal and snack times. Let your child grow into the body that is right for him or her. Part of your feeding job is to trust your child to eat the amount that he or she needs, learn to eat the food that you eat, grow predictably in the way that is right for him or her, and learn to behave well at mealtime. With that, when the baby is full, signaling that he or she is done by closing their mouth, turning their head away, or fussing, you'll want to respect those cues and end the meal on a happy note rather than forcing overeating. What about the order of introduction of foods? Is food preference safer, sweet, and salty a nature versus nurture debate? There's a biology that underlines taste. Chemicals from the food in the mouth activate the taste buds that send signals to the brain. Sweet taste in particular is wired since before birth. It's a fact that sweets make people feel good. It blunts pain and discomfort. Young children have heightened preference for sweeter foods compared to adults. Taste determines whether we eat something or reject it. Food is a biological commodity because we need it to survive. Human milk is sweet, so the strong attraction is biological. Sweets also provide calories, like in the form of carbohydrates. Bitter is associated with poisonous foods, evolutionary speaking. So during this maximal growth, baby is attracted to sources of energy that will give him or her maximum growth, fruits and carbohydrate-rich foods. Now the biology is overwhelmed in a society where processed foods are plentiful. This does make it very challenging for caregivers to offer certain foods in moderation. What about umami? The quality of human milk also shows the same preference as it does to sweet. Whereas bitter, flavors that are not favored during biology are ones that we have to learn to like. 
A learned behavior involves social and cultural practices. It does take time and effort, but it can happen. So with repeated exposure, children can learn to like bitter foods, such as vegetables. One of the best predictor of acceptance is early exposure. Also, genetics play a role. Studies even show that when babies are in utero, meaning they're in their mummy's tummy, the mother's diet impacts flavors that they're exposed to in the amniotic fluid. And then when they're born, if they're breastfed, through the breast milk. Super cool, huh? The research in human and animal studies show that even with formula feeding, the amniotic fluid exposure, so food that mom consumes during pregnancy, does affect food preference. This is the information from the environment that's transferred to the baby from the mom. It's encouraging to know that babies remember what they experience in utero, even if formula fed, which is a predictable flavor. So pregnant mamas, what you eat matters, not just for you, but for your baby. Regarding top allergen foods, holding off on introducing common allergens such as peanuts and tree nuts, dairy, eggs, wheat, soy, sesame, shellfish, and fish until your baby has tried a few other foods first are best. There is no need to wait three to five days before trying new foods, but you want to pay extra attention to the top allergen ones. The goal overall is to offer a varied diet while watching for allergic reactions to high allergen foods. I really want to encourage eating for pleasure, just like for us grown-ups. So while food is meant to provide the right nutrients for growing minds and bodies, setting the tone early on for positive, enjoyable, and relaxed eating times is so, so important. What about beverages? In the first year of life, babies only need breast milk and formula, mainly and no more than about one cup or eight ounces of water. If the weather is warm, you can offer a little more water, but that's all. Let's talk poop because it does change quite drastically when baby is eating solid foods. You get stinkier and sometimes bigger poop. The color can change depending on what baby eats. For example, beets make it red. Green veggies can make it green. You may even see pieces of undigested bits of food. If you see blood or lots of mucus, or your baby is severely constipated or has diarrhea, it's time to check in with your pediatrician to rule out intolerances or food allergies. Regarding food allergies, do check out episode number 18 on the Baby Steps Nutrition Podcast for an in-depth conversation with Dr. Gandhi, a board-certified allergy, immunology, and asthma specialist. On to the where. Where should my baby eat? Your baby should sit at the table with the rest of the family. This means sitting upright in a high chair safely buckled in. Of course, given how busy our lives can be, even one person can sit with your baby when he or she eats. That is great. The social aspect of mealtimes is valuable, even from an early age, not to mention the powerful tool of modeling. What you do, your baby sees. When my children were babies and I first introduced solid foods, they did not want to sit by themselves in their high chair. So I sat them on my lap, facing the table. That way they felt secure and comforted, 
yet were able to freely grab the food and explore. Follow your baby's cues. They will tell you what they want. As your baby gets older, you can remove the tray from the high chair and pull them to the table so they feel more included in family meals. Or use a booster seat on the kitchen chair and remove the high chair altogether. A great way to foster independence, active participation, and good table manners is a good old Montessori method of child-sized table and chairs. This, of course, applies to older children, but a great transition point nevertheless. A breakfast-in-bed tray is perfect in this case. Just like with anything, there are pluses and minuses, so see what works best. Now the how. Well, I suggest starting with one to two teaspoons daily and gradually increase as your baby shows more interest and has more tolerance for solid foods. Once your baby is around nine months of age, remember this is only a guideline, you can start to offer solids first and then breast milk or formula. Regardless, for the first year, breast milk and formula will make up the majority of the calories. No honey, cow's milk, raw foods, or ingredients such as eggs should be allowed as these can make your baby very sick. What time of day is best to feed your child? It's best to feed your baby when they feel their best. Maybe it's midday after waking up, or maybe it's mid-afternoon after a nap. Just have fun with it. It's really an enjoyable, yes, albeit messy, time. So let's recap the general rules. For good mealtime habits, number one, don't offer snacks all day. Allow your child to feel hungry for set meals and snacks. Aim for three meals and two snacks as a goal as your child gets older. Remember, they're more likely to be picky and refuse meals if their tummies are full. Number two, don't allow distractions at the table, especially screens, television, or electronic devices mainly because this setup doesn't allow for mindful eating nor learning about your body's hunger and fullness cues. I know some families struggle to get their children to eat otherwise, but the earlier you can set good habits, the better it is longer term. Number three, as mentioned, try to have one person present with your baby when he or she is eating. If you have to cook and you're the only one available, then you can chat with your baby and make them feel included and still make mealtime fun. Number four, supervise your baby at all times and avoid foods that are choking hazards. I cannot emphasize this enough. A general rule of thumb is to avoid round, tough foods and large chunks. Examples of these are popcorn, sticky foods, raw carrots, to name just a few. Number five, new recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics say no sugar-added foods or sugar-laden beverages before the age of two. The first two years are critical, so aim for repeated exposure to healthy food. Number six, and I cannot emphasize this last point, please, please try to relax and enjoy the ride. If you're relaxed around mealtimes and enjoy a variety of foods yourself, your baby most likely will too. And offer yourself and your baby some grace, compassion, and patience as you navigate this exciting yet unchartered territory. Pay attention to what you're eating and your habits as you are your baby's greatest role model. All of these recommendations apply to the whole family.
Most importantly, if your baby is refusing to eat and chokes with foods, remember this is different than gagging, is vomiting or has problems with texture due to chewing or swallowing issues, and or they're not gaining weight or growing, please consult a feeding therapist right away. If any of the behaviors are affecting a child's ability to safely eat, meet nutritional needs, or enjoy the mealtime experience, then the child may benefit from a feeding evaluation. If you or your family need help with eating and food choices, a registered dietitian who specializes in pediatrics will be your best friend. I hope you found this episode helpful. Please reach out if you have any questions. Thank you once again for your time and for tuning in. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Baby Steps Nutrition Podcast with your host, Argavan Nilforush. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you and your family can use to make daily life a little easier. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please leave a rating and review, share with others, and follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Baby Steps Nutrition Podcast. As always, you can head over to babystepsnutrition.com to sign up for our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. See you next time. Tune in. Feel great.